Hello there, and welcome to the Crypto Frontier. I'm Jonathan Miller, Managing Director of Kraken Australia, and here on the Crypto Frontier, we will hear from the industry's best and brightest about the latest news in crypto and blockchain from Australia and around the world. Whether you haven't yet bought your first Bitcoin or want to better understand the latest DeFi token or development in blockchain, this show will go behind the scenes with founders, experts, and industry professionals to explore the technology that powers the future of finance. Please note that this podcast does not constitute financial product advice. You should consider obtaining independent advice from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. I hope you enjoy the show. On today's show, we will speak with Stephen Goldfeder, co-founder of Offchain Labs, the team behind one of the most exciting scaling solutions for Ethereum called Arbitrum. Described as a Layer 2 network, Arbitrum is infrastructure designed to create efficiencies for Ethereum smart contract processing by taking some of this computational load onto its own network. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Okay, so Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for taking some time out to to talk to us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And and I'd love you to go just a little bit back and and tell me how you got involved in in crypto. Absolutely. Uh, The year was 2013 and I was a first year graduate student at Princeton University. Um, I had done crypto before, but crypto to me, at least back then, meant cryptography. And I was uh, very excited about cryptography and spent many years. Still, I'm excited about it. But crypto didn't really mean cryptocurrencies back then. But anyway, I started my PhD working with uh, Professor Arvind Narayanan, who was my uh, PhD advisor. And he was just learning about Bitcoin at the time uh, or just you know getting into it from a research perspective. And took me along for the ride. And uh, like so many others, I uh, fell in love with uh, Bitcoin from a technology perspective and then uh, fell in love with Ethereum years later. And uh, the rest is history. But really, it was <laughs> uh, via an academic, uh, academic start. And uh, really, um, that's, yeah, that's, that's my, uh, you know, my, my main um, contributions in the, in the early years here were all in the, in the academic sphere. Okay, and so then from that starting point, you've you're now working with a with a with a group called Offchain Labs. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, Offchain Labs, who you guys are, and, and what you're doing? Definitely, Offchain Labs is very much a continuation of that Princeton experience. So I mentioned my advisor was uh, Arvind Narayanan, and another professor in the group was Ed Felton, who I worked with on a few projects, but wasn't actually my uh, my PhD advisor. And um, Ed had this project called Arbitrum. That I had heard about, and he'd been working in it since maybe 2013 or so, so pretty early on. And it was this idea of scaling blockchains. And, and notice that uh, actually scaling smart contracts. And notice that I mentioned 2013. That was before Ethereum uh, actually uh, was li- was live, uh, right? So Ethereum launched in the summer of 2015. And actually, there was a a Princeton course you can look online and see this YouTube video from uh, a class video of of a um, uh, final projects for a course taught at Princeton on blockchains. And one of the project was Arbitrum. And that was a fall 2014 course. So that predated, again, Ethereum's uh, launch and Ed was <laughs> very involved in that project. Wow. The project then was uh, another gra- an undergraduate project led by Ed, a semester project. And it didn't really go any, any further at that point. And then Ed actually left Princeton uh, on leave to go to the White House. He was senior advisor to President Obama and deputy CTO uh, of the White House. And he, when he came back, uh, it was the 2017 and I was starting to believe and see like, oh, the scaling stuff is getting real. You know, we thought back then we were seeing 
usage that really needed scaling. That was mm. like, you know, the crypto kitties yeah. uh, spike, which looked like really, really heavy usage at the time. And now, you know, looking back, uh, I was really early days compared to the usage we're seeing today. And so Harry, my third co-founder, another PhD student at Princeton at the time, and I went into Ed's office and said, hey, you know, that Arbitrum uh, project that you that you started, that you were working on, uh, I think it's time to pick it back up. We picked it up uh, from an academic, in an academic context. We published a research paper in Arbitrum. And then, uh, you know, the paper uh, was barely published when we realized that it has, uh, it was just something that we should build and build out and actually uh, continue to see in a, in, a, in a production setting. And we rolled out, you know, we spun out the company from Princeton at that point. And um, now it's been three years in the company building. And it was uh, very, very exciting. Our team's expanded, expanded significantly since then. And as of uh, about a month and a half ago, we actually launched Arbitrum 1 on mainnet and users are actually users are for the first time actually experiencing the gains uh, that we that we spent uh, years uh, building. That is just a fantastic story, and it's yeah, it's so great to be to be talking to you about it because you know I watched all that happen and and the scaling debate. You know, even for for listeners of this show who who might not have heard of that debate or or, or those of you who have, you know, that that's a core part, I guess, of the uncertainty around whether blockchain and crypto will become something that everyone uses, right? Like it's the core problem. Uh, I mean, there's lots of problems, but it's one of them and, and a really big one. So, so yeah, that's so such an amazing story. So, so let's just narrow in a little bit on the scaling uh, problem and Arbitrum solution. So, so um, yeah, how does Arbitrum solve the problem of scaling in crypto? Yeah, so it's funny you should mention the uh, that like scaling is such an important problem because it, it wasn't always the case that people believed that. I remember... Probably when we were pitching VCs, uh, when they were forming the company, maybe in 2018 or so. And I remember someone saying to me, I won't name them, saying scaling is like the 10th problem we have in, in blockchains right now. First is UX. And they listed a whole bunch of things. And maybe they were right. Maybe they were wrong. But uh, at, at, you know, currently, uh, fast forward a few years, clearly scaling is, is at the forefront. And we're actually seeing, I think, much quicker than many imagined uh, the immediate need for scaling. So Arbitrum uh, takes a layer two approach for scaling, which means... We build on top of another blockchain, and in that case, the blockchain is Ethereum. And we don't have our own consensus. Instead, we rely on Ethereum to uh, we, we get our derive our security from Ethereum, and we rely on Ethereum's consensus. So all Arbitrum transactions are actually posted onto Ethereum. What we're able to do is we're able to greatly increase the capacity of, of what Ethereum can do in its block space. So instead of putting all of the execution on chain, we take that off chain. Let me just—I I know it's. Uh, um, so in some case, some of the audience aren't familiar. Let me sort of say this a bit, a bit more simply. Um, a typical transaction you can think of as having two parts. There is the actual bits, like the zeros and ones of what the transaction says. And then there is the execution that those bits of data say to do and the storage. So the, the transaction is a, you know, a series of, of, of bits. And then it says, you know, hey, execute this, this, do this calculation or store this data, etc. And what Arbitrum does is it puts only the bits of data on chain, but the execution and the storage, the things that that data, that data says to do, it takes it off chain and have, has other, others, uh, which are known as Arbitrum validators, execute that. So it basically utilizes Ethereum more, more efficiently. More efficiently utilizes the space in Ethereum. You could think of it almost as a compression technique, whereas it gets more bang for your buck in the same Ethereum block space. I really like that analogy. That's really interesting that you might 
be yeah you you're kind of the information's there but it's there in a in a different form and it's kind of compressed down and some of that execution has happened you know on other processes so you know that world computer idea still exists it's just that parts of the computation are happening you know in different places is that a is that a correct understanding that that's an exactly correct understanding but the key is you still want to derive your security on Ethereum. And this is the tricky part. You want Ethereum basically to say, hey, all of that computation that you did off-chain, that execution, that storage we're talking about, you want Ethereum to vouch for it and say that's correct. So somehow you want to prove to Ethereum that not only uh, are the bits of data that it stores correct, but also the execution that you didn't do on Ethereum is correct too. And if you can put those together, then you've accomplished scaling on Ethereum because you have all the, the core, the raw data on Ethereum, you take the execution and storage off of Ethereum, but somehow you're able to have Ethereum validate the execution and the storage that doesn't happen on Ethereum. And that's, that's the key here in Roblox, which is proving back to Ethereum what happened and allowing Ethereum to vouch for its correctness. And that's uh, basically what gives you the security. And I use this term rollup. A rollup is this class of solution, which basically does exactly this. It puts the data on Ethereum, it takes the execution off of Ethereum, and it proves back to Ethereum the correctness. So ultimately, it derives its security from Ethereum. Ethereum says, hey, yes, although Ethereum didn't execute directly the transactions that happened off-chain, the execution that happened off-chain, Ethereum is able to vouch for their correctness, and that's how you get Ethereum security. And Arbitrum is one flavor of uh, this sort of rollup technology. And the way that different rollups, the most prominent way that different rollups differ is how they prove correctness back to Ethereum. Yeah, that that's right. I think there's a couple of different words that are floating around out there that people might have seen, like um, optimistic rollups are the ones that you guys use, and, and then ZK rollups is the other. Um, what, just before we jump into that differentiation, I think um, it would be really cool uh, if we just explain to the listener a little bit about what we mean when we say, um, you know, Ethereum is validating or Ethereum is doing something versus Arbitrum. So, um, so Ethereum has a whole bunch of people running nodes. And what you're saying is that uh, the computation that occurs on those nodes, like the actual hardware, the, the, the computers that are mining, so to speak, which are running the program, won't be running parts of the program, but Arbitrum nodes will be. Is, is that right? That's correct. But, but the, and the next step is that you want those nodes, those computers that are running the Ethereum nodes to verify that what the Arbitrum nodes are doing is correct, even though they're not running it. So how, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. That, and that's the excellent question. And that's where rollups differ. So the, the short answer is you prove it to Ethereum uh, via, so, so the most, the most simple way you can prove to Ethereum is say, okay, Ethereum, this is what basically the, the rollup Arbitrum goes ahead and says to Ethereum, hey, we executed all of these transactions and here's uh, an image, say a hash of the result. Here's a small representation of the, of the resulting state and the outputs that, that, that occurred. And you can post that representation on Ethereum. Uh, basically, it's just a small digest of, of the state. And you want basically the Ethereum miners essentially to validate that, that. So via an Ethereum smart contract, an Ethereum smart contract to validate and say, hey, that state representation, that digest that you posted on chain, that hash that you posted on chain, that is correct. And I'm sure now that Arbitrum, the Arbitrum validators executed, uh, executed this correctly. Now, how do you, so the, great, the, the question is, how do you 
prove it to Ethereum. And there are different approaches here. The simplest, simplest approach would be say, hey, Ethereum, just, just run it all on chain. Of course, that's not what we want to do. Then we're back at square one. The entire point of scaling is not having Ethereum run this on chain. <laughs> that's if, right. If our proofs have said, hey, just run everything, then yeah, do it all uh, we again. Really, <laughs> yes, we haven't accomplished much. And we just created a more complex machine to do the same thing. So instead, there, there are basically two different approaches to this. And you, you touched on zero knowledge or ZK rollups and optimistic rollups. And this is exactly where they differ. Um, a ZK rollup, I'll start there, proves what gives us called a validity proof. It means when it's when it puts this digest on chain, when it posts this hash, it says, hey, and here's a cryptographic proof that this is correct. And these zero knowledge proofs have a really, really cool property that they're succinct. And what that means is they can take a lot, a lot of data and a lot of execution and create a proof that's succinct. So the proof itself is small and easy to verify. So Ethereum can easily verify this. And this uses some advanced cryptography to, to make these proofs, these proofs possible. Um, and that's how ZK rollups or zero, zero knowledge rollups work. They use these what's called validity proofs. So when they post the hash, when they post this digest of what happened inside the rollup, they post a proof that it's valid, a validity proof. An optimistic rollup like Arbitrum takes a different approach. It optimistically posts this digest without any proof at all and said, hey, I'm an Arbitrum validator. I executed this, um, you know, th these transactions. And here is the resulting digest. And just post that on chain. And it doesn't give a proof. It doesn't give a validity proof. Instead, a window of time opens up, um, most commonly one week, where anyone, any other validator, and validators, validators are open, so anyone could be a validator. So fundamentally, anyone can go ahead and say, hey, that digest that you put on, that you posted and said that was the Arbitrum state, that's wrong. I disagree, and they challenge it. And then they provide what's called a fraud proof. So instead of having validity proof, we give people the opportunity, we give other validators the opportunity to provide a fraud proof and say, that digest that you posted is incorrect. Now, if no validator posts a, a fraud proof, the window expires a week, a week ends, and Ethereum accepts it and says, okay, I know this is correct now because... It was posted by a validator and a week went by and no other validator challenged it. So the security property is here. As long as you trust that Ethereum is doing its job correctly and any validator in the world is, just doing, is doing its job correctly, all you need is one, one validator that's able to post transactions, one validator that's honest and able to post transactions on chain, then you know that the system is correct. Because if, that, if there was anything wrong with that digest, if someone tried to push a bad state on chain, some other validator um, would have challenged them. So the security property is, is, is the security of Ethereum plus anyone in the world has to be doing the right thing. Because remember, validation, um, validation in the full system is permissionless and anyone can, anyone can post a, a, valid, a, a, a fraud proof. So if no one does, you know that, that the system has executed correctly. And indeed, if someone does, uh, does provide a fraud proof, Arbitrum provides a very, very easy way to for Ethereum to referee the dispute and to resolve it and and uh, to punish the person who was lying and to reject the invalid state. That That's a really um, interesting distinction. And I've got a couple of questions. I've got to be careful that we don't go off the rails and and, and, <laughs> and go too far down a rabbit hole. But, yes, please, um, <laughs> uh, please feel free to uh, steer me. <laughs> no, no, I think, no, it's really important for people to understand this differentiation because it is the key differentiation between the, uh, I guess, the different uh, layers that are being built here. So, you know, Arbitrum is a layer two. That's how it's described in this kind of set of 
alternate layer twos that are being developed. And um, and that was a really important understanding. One question I do have, and I guess this is, um, you know, everything that most people would have read about ZK proofs or zero knowledge proofs is that, or roll up, sorry, um, are that they are quite costly, even though they're succinct. The, the, the computation you need to, to run a validation against a, a ZK is costly. Is that, is that an incorrect understanding? There must be some cost there. Yeah, so the cost, uh, it's interesting. The cost is, uh, I'll be a little more precise. So validation can be split into two different uh, pieces. There's the proving cost and there's the verifying cost, right? So there's a cost to create one of these proofs to take all of the execution that happened on chain and to prove, to prove something about it. And then there's a cost to verify that proof once it's created. So the property, the really nice property that ZK rollups have is that the verification, the verifying a proof that's been created is, is cheap. So that's fast and cheap, and that's what Ethereum has to do. So Ethereum can, can um, validate these proofs uh, easily. The thing that's more expensive is actually creating these proofs. And ZK rollups that we have today the ones that are live today are very application specific. There are, uh, generally, there are, there are ZK rollups that support uh, transfers, like simple uh, token transfers or some very simple apps. But they're, 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 uh, generally, the, one, the ones that we have today are, very, are, are relatively simple applications and, and uh, more application specific. There is no currently general uh, ZK rollup that supports like arbitrary smart contracts in uh, multiple contracts uh, in the chain that can, that can talk to one another. Mm-hmm. That doesn't exist today. Um, and, um, there, there, you know, there are many, many excellent teams that are working on building that. But one thing that I would look at is, is the proving costs. And this is something which mm. I haven't really seen, uh, numbers on, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams are building this internally. I haven't really seen numbers, but I would, I would take a, I would be very, you know, look very carefully at the proving costs, particularly, um, around, you know, these, the ZK rollups are, many of them are trying to get EVM compatibility. So, uh, proving solidity or proving EVM, uh, via some other representation, representation, um, and this is, to me is, is, you know, the cost here, this is where the costs, um, um, this is where you want to look out for the cost, the, the proving costs, particularly when you're proving languages that are not optimized to be run in, inside a ZK rollup circuit. Mm. That's, I think where, where, where the, where the ZK rollup larger costs exist. The, it's the cost of proving and also the hardware required to, to do this proving, um, is yeah. the trade-off that, that exists there. Well, I guess, yeah, that's right. And so we're kind of choosing between trade-offs here and, and Arbitrum is the, um, as you, and, and it makes, it makes uh, it very clear why you guys chose that name because it, you can run any arbitrary code off chain and then, you know, provide a window for it to be challenged. So, so tell me a little bit about, you know, how you guys have thought about those trade-offs um, and why you landed on this kind of one week window. And then we'll kind of climb back out of this stack and, and just kind of look ahead. Absolutely. So we, you know, we, we arrived at our, you know, we, we designed the system and our goal was to provide a scaling solution that works well and it is highly secure and is also EVM compatible that, you know, has a high, high degree of compatibility with the current Ethereum developer experience. And, uh, you know, we, we believe that that was critically important because there's so much mindshare, so many developers that are building on the EVM today. And the Ethereum community is so strong. It's really, really an excellent community and we're, we're fortunate to be part of it. And, you know, the EVM is really central to that community. So giving developers the, the same experience, um, I think, is is really, really important. And Arbitrum 
you know, we can we didn't get into the details here. Arbitrum uses a particular type of fraud proof that differentiates it called interactive fraud proofs, and I, I won't I won't go into the details there. But and that really gives us the flexibility to have full EVM support, which we thought was really 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 important. And uh, we also wanted to do this in a way that uh, minimizes sort of uh, newer or very complex uh, cryptograph cryptography. And um, ultimately, you know, we it was many years in the making, but we we landed an Arbitrum's design. But the thing I'll tell you is, and this is you know true of us, and I imagine it's true of most teams. You know, we're constantly innovating and constantly thinking of how we can make things better. Actually, earlier today, just a few minutes ago, we put out uh, a post anna- uh, announcing uh, a new upgrade, which we're calling Arbitrum Nitro, uh, which will be a significant upgrade to Arbitrum and get a significant, significant speed ups, like probably twenty to fifty x speed ups in terms of layer two execution. And so, you know, uh, it's, these are the decisions we made, we made and we continue to make decisions and continue to iterate in our decisions, but we're very happy with the path that we've taken because we are in a situation now where we're the only general, uh, EVM compatible rollup that's, uh, launched and fully open to the public. And we're providing users with the scalability and the, the reduced cost that they want today. And we're continuing to iterate and ask ourselves, how can we make this even better tomorrow? That's amazing. And, and how, how, I guess, you know, how do you attract people to become validators? Because there's obviously, you know, we talked about cost before, there's obviously going to be costs um, for any computer running, right? And, and, and people required to then, uh, I- you know, integrate with your platform, which provides all of that infrastructure to, to do these, this work. But how do they get rewarded? Like, what's the incentive for people to become a, an Arbitrum, uh, Arbitrum validator? That's an excellent question. And this will change over time. We're actually still in our, our beta phase where we're manually manually onboarding validators. And we're working with, uh, as a first step, we're, we're basically working with some really, really high quality partners, partners who run validators on other, on other chains and working with them to run validators on Arbitrum and working with them also on the economics. But the basic idea is Arbitrum, like every, every platform collects fees and those fees uh, don't go exclusively to Arbitrum, they go to those who are running, you know, at least in, in our vision is to share them with those who are running the layer two infrastructure and validators uh, are, are a, part, a very big part of that story. And they will uh, therefore share in the revenue that's brought in from the chain. And that will basically be the incentive uh, to run validators. That's uh, so we'll have a class of validators that, that are compensated for their work. Um, and we, right now we're, we're, we're working with some really high quality node providers that do this professionally on many, many chains. And we'll be announcing more about that soon. And, and the second thing is you could think of it like, uh, like running an Ethereum node. There is a cost to run an Ethereum node, but many people sort of just do it. Just run an Ethereum node. It's not that high of a cost to do. And an Arbitrum node, um, particularly when we, when we launch Arbitrum Nitro, will, but even today, uh, is relatively low cost to run. And... Uh, so it's, it's kind of like running an, an Ethereum node and you know, many people do it. They, they don't mind. They're just sort of running Ethereum nodes so they can you know, verify uh, and, and keep, a lot, keep up along with the chain themselves. So we imagine that there are sort of these two classes of users. There's the users that get paid from the revenue, from the fees. And then there's the long tail of, of validators that are just running, running nodes uh, because they want to, because they're participating in an app, because they're developing an app that it's useful for them to run no, to run their own nodes. So we imagine that it will really be a diverse ecosystem. Um, and, you know, we're making sure that there will be very high, high quality validators running nodes, but we also imagine there will be a long tail of others that are running nodes for a variety of reasons uh, that make sense for them. That's 
yeah, really, really cool, and 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 makes a lot of sense. So we're really excited to see you know some of these these announcements. And you and you and you kind of answered my next question, I guess, which is what is next for Arbitrum? You've told me about some really exciting things. So why don't we broaden it out and kind of I guess say you know what what's next for the ecosystem in your view? You know, is Arbitrum something that will um, only be uh, used for Ethereum? Is it is it something that's going to be broader than that? So Arbitrum is, we're very much a part of the Ethereum ecosystem. We believe in in the uh, strength of the Ethereum community. And so we're, we're fully focused on the Ethereum ecosystem. So in terms of what's next, well, some really exciting things to come are, of course, ETH2. And people always ask this question, like, uh, how does what, what happens to Arbitrum when ETH2 is launched? And it comes from this misconception. Some people think that Arbitrum, but really scaling solutions in general, like layer twos in general and Ethereum are a Band-Aid. Uh, just to get us from now until the point where E2 is is run. But that's that couldn't be further from the truth. Remember, I, I sort of described Arbitrum before as a compression technique where you give me the, the space on Ethereum and I can get get you get more done more cheaply in that same block space. And when you give me when you give us more space, right? When E2 comes around and provides even more data, data, you know, even more data shards, we can now do even more than that in Arbitrum. So if you imagine that the adoption of this space was stopping and staying still, then you might think, oh, ETH2 is enough. But with you know, we we don't think we think we don't think the adoption is slowing down. In fact, we see it speeding up and more traditional players in various industries excited to move on to Ethereum and develop products on Ethereum. So we think that um, Ethereum is gonna ETH2 is gonna provide a very, very necessary um, data data layer. And rollups like Arbitrum will scale the execution using that that extra and now cheaper uh, uh, data layer, and so we're we're very very excited about it. And that's not just my 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 vision. You know, about a year ago, Vitalik Buterin put out a blog post in which he described ETH2's roadmap, and he said it's a rollup centric roadmap. So rollups like Arbitrum are really critical to the long story. But anyway, back to your question, we're we're super excited about ETH2. I'm personally super excited about Arbitrum Nitro and the uh, vast. Uh, increases in speed that we'll get from that. And, and ultimately, I'm excited about uh, watching people build and seeing what new use cases are enabled now that we have lower cost transactions, faster confirmations, things that weren't possible to do before. That's that's really, really exciting to me to really watch and say, hey, we put out this technology, we put out the platform, and what are people using it for? What are the new things that, that we're enabling people to do? Yeah, it sounds like you guys are essentially, you know, going to be part of the critical infrastructure for 100% adoption of Web3 or Web3 takeover, as I, as I like to call it. So, so, yeah, that's really amazing and exciting. I, I, I want to stop there. I think we've, we've probably, we've covered a lot of ground um, and, and I really appreciate your time. I know that you're super busy and, and you've got a lot on, on your plate. So, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. It was great. We'll talk again in the future. Looking forward to it. Thanks everyone for joining me on this show and for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice and we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember, you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com slash learn. Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller and this has been the Crypto Frontier. Crypto Frontier.